0: How's everybody doing? Man, what a day already, right? All right, well, let me let me go first, and you're next. Man, I mean, come on, the choir. I mean, I was just sitting here listening. When I was listening to the choir, I thought. Um, there's bound to be. I started thinking about thunder a little bit. I said, "There's bound to be some kind of thunder roll up there that's a little jealous because we're out doing it." I mean, we're. I mean, the the choir and the Craig you got, which is awesome this morning. I mean, I'm just, I'm just ready to preach. That's, that's, that's just how it is. So, hope you're ready to, ready to hear from God today because, I don't really have my own words today, but I got God's words today. So if you have your copy of Scripture, go to Luke chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can find uh, Luke chapter 19 and uh, page 1209 in your pew Bible. You can pull that out and turn to Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, he climbed up Wow. You know, I, th- I thought about singing that song at the beginning of today, and I, I really didn't know where it was going to go, but well, I guess the choir's still singing, man. <laughs> you know, when we look at this story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, I think a lot of us, our uh, uh, knowledge of this, or our understanding of this, or, or what we kind of switch over in our mind is uh the the little flannel graph story from sunday school right you know you had the tree and you had the the little man the wee little man and and your teacher made him like run and he got up in the tree and you're like oh wow look at that he he was a short guy and he he couldn't see very good because everybody else was taller than him and so he needed to get in the tree and just climb a tree for jesus kind of thing and and I think a lot of us, that's, that's, our, that's what we get from Zacchaeus. Like in our mind and our heart right now, I think for a lot of us, especially the ones who have grown up in church, that's kind of where we stop with him. Just the, the flannel graph story in, in Bible school or something. But I just got to tell you, there's so much more going on in this story than just the flannel graph story. Just a little, the catchy little song that, honestly, I, I had to ask some, somebody some help this morning because I was trying to think of the words and, and, and some, somebody helped me out. Chuck has a beautiful singing voice. Um, just look, if you're in the choir, there's your, you need to recruit him because he, he can get up and do a, do Zacchaeus well. So um, what we have in Luke chapter 19 is just this phenomenal story tucked away in the gospel of Luke. And it's just, it's, it's a great story from an amazing book that we call the Bible. The Bible is so much more than just a collection of flannel graph stories. The Bible is so much more than just some good lessons and cute little stories and things that we can understand when we're a kid and remember when we get older. It's a living, breathing Word of God. There's something truly unique about the Bible. Did you know that the Bible is, obviously, it's an ancient manuscript, but it's also truth. The, thing that, the things that happen in this Bible that you're holding before you, the incredible stories actually did happen. These are historical accounts of things that, that really took place. We have um, 10 surviving documents about the Gallic Wars. Gallic Wars were a period in Roman history it took about eight years. Julius Caesar was involved with that. We have about ten surviving copies of that. And the earliest copy that we have of that story, of that historical account, is dated about 900 years after that event happened. The historian Tacitus, the Roman historian, he wrote 30 volumes of Roman history. We only have two copies of a half of his thirty volumes. One of them is dated about eight hundred years after the events that are recorded in that history, and the other one is about a thousand years after those events. Yet when we go to history class when our kids are in history and when you're in college and your your teachers have these Stories of these events that happen in history. We don't say, well, I don't I don't really think that could happen. But see, here's the thing. The Bible, the New Testament alone, the four Gospels alone. We have better quality and more copies earlier of the Gospels than we have of any ancient history. Any Roman event. Don't you think Roman history should survive a little better than that? But what happens? Why isn't it considered history? Why isn't it considered something? Well, that just happened. It really did happen. It's truth. We should teach it in the the collegiate level. We should teach it in high school that the Bible is true. It happened historically. Well, here's why. There's a prejudice against it. There's a prejudice against the supernatural. Well, I don't really believe the supernatural, so I don't really believe that that could happen. Well, basing your 21st century Experience to try to justify and have some reliability to an ancient document is kind of silly. What we have here is more than just a book of stories. The living Word of God. We have over 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament alone. The earliest ones are just decades after the events happened. And they're, all, they're scattered all over. The, the earliest copy of the gospel of john was found in egypt it's it's more than just a book it holds up better than any ancient history to any specific scrutiny to historical document than anything else that we have maybe there's something more than a book here god's word is history and it should be considered history and in this trustworthy, detailed account of a marginalized Galilean peasant, we have the story of Zacchaeus. Let's look in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. He. Entered Jericho, as they were entering Jericho. Jesus and who? When it says he entered Jericho, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus and the crowd that is following him. If you look in the previous passages of Scripture, um, the one that Tony preached on last week was when the, the blind guy was healed. Now this blind guy, he heard a crowd coming towards Jerusalem. He's like, what's that? Well, that's Jesus. He's got a lot of people walking around with him too so as he and this crowd that's with him as they entered Jericho now let me just give you a little background on Jericho Jericho was probably a pretty wealthy city there's a lot of people with a lot of money in Jericho and I think that's important for one of our stars in this story here Jericho was about 17 miles northeast, east, east, northeast of Jerusalem now why is that important? well the Bible says that he was passing through in verse 1 so as Jesus and his posse And his crowd as they entered Jericho and was passing through. Why is he passing through Jericho? Because the Bible says that Jesus set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. What waited him in Jerusalem? Well, a cross waited him in Jerusalem. In the middle of the things that's happened in the previous chapter, in the middle of the the, the story where Jesus encounters this rich young ruler, he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, you've got to sell everything you got and give it to the poor. And the man walks away upset. The blind guy hollers out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's made well. Another rich guy we have here in Luke 19. Jesus is encountering different people on his road to the cross. Just 17 miles away from the brutal crucifixion. And behold, verse 2, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Oddly enough, Zacchaeus... can, be, can mean clean or innocent one, which we, we know that Zacchaeus, in this moment in his life, can't really consider him clean and innocent. Why? Because he says, And behold, there's a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. Now, I said earlier that Jericho was a wealthy city. So in a wealthy city, the chief tax collector, he was a high roller, Okay? He had a staff with him, okay? He had people that he paid to watch out for him. He was a short guy, right? We know that. So maybe he had one guy that he paid to hoist him up on a little thing. I don't know. But we know that Zacchaeus was very, very, very wealthy. He lived in a rich town. He had people working for him. They would collect taxes. He was a chief tax collector. So what they brought, that came to him. And then he went above him to the Roman government. If you ever get a chance to go to Moldova, and I encourage you to do that, um, there's just something about driving through those rolling hills of grape vineyards and seeing God's work in a different place in Eastern Europe. Um, I asked the question when I was in, in Moldova. I said, well, who, who are the wealthiest people in the, in the city? And the guy that was driving, his name was uh, Boris, and he said, well, the wealthiest people are the ones in the government. No, no. he said, number one, the wealthiest people are the mafia. Second wealthiest people are the ones in government. And the third wealthiest people are the ones in the police. I said, well, that's strange. That's not the police. That's not... We wouldn't say the third wealthiest people in our country are the police. I said, well, why is, why, is, why is it like that? Well, every time you'd see somebody pulled over, the police would take bribes. It was just understood, and that's what they did. It was a little crooked, right? I mean, that's a little corrupt. What they would do is they would take bribes let somebody go well that police officer would take that bribe and he would go to the chief of police now sometimes they would fire certain police officers in Moldova if they didn't bring enough extra in this is how it was in Eastern Europe small poor country in Jericho wealthy city the tax collector he had people that collected tax for him they brought it to him Maybe if they didn't scrape enough off the top, he'd probably give them the boot. Zacchaeus was like a crooked mob boss. And I don't know, we, we, we kind of downplay Zacchaeus. Why do we do that? Especially his character is because we still had this flannel graph. <laughs> Children's story in our mind of who Zacchaeus really was. He was a very wealthy, very crooked man. No, nobody, nobody liked him. They hated Zacchaeus. They want to sit next to him. They don't want to be in a room with him. If anything, they saw him coming and they'd go the other way. Because he had the governmental right to take money out of your pocket. Take your children's college fund. Take your Hyundai. He had every right to do that. So we have Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, and he was rich. Being the top person of a Roman godless Ponzi scheme of the tax collecting uh, Zacchaeus was considered also a traitor so not only was he a crooked crook but he was also a traitor because he was was a Jewish man people hated this guy didn't want to be in the same room with him didn't want to be around him now Zacchaeus what he was doing was legal in the system of the Roman government, what he was doing, it was legal, but it was sinful. Now, that, that can we can totally shift gears here a little bit and talk about that for a minute. There's things that we can do that, that are legal, but they're sinful. I'm not breaking the law, really. Gossip is breaking God's law, but it's legal. Adultery. Lying. Coveting. It's legal, but it's sinful. Zacchaeus, not only was he a traitorous crook, he was a sinful guy. What he was doing was technically legal, but it was very, very sinful. Verse 3, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He was just curious, okay? He just wanted to see who he was. Heard he was coming, he wants to put eyes on him. Now, the blind guy heard Jesus coming. He put ears on him, so to speak. Well, next thing you know, he really got to put blind eyes seeing on Jesus. Zacchaeus, he just wanted to see him. wonder why. Well, Zac- Zacchaeus heard the, the reputation that this Jesus fellow had. Jesus had this reputation. He was, he was healing people, doing incredible, amazing miracles. But at the same time, people hated him for, for blasphemy. And maybe Zacchaeus like, you know, people people, people hate Jesus for, for something. I don't really think that's a big deal. People hate me for what I'm just doing is my job. So maybe, maybe Zacchaeus in his brain is thinking, hey, I need to check this Jesus out. What's going on with this guy? So he was seeking to see Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So here we go. We got our wee little man, right? It's a big crowd coming. He wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't because he was a wee little man. He was a shorty. Now, um, when I first when I first started working here, uh, Brian's in the office. He's taller than me. Tony's in the office. He's taller than me. So Michelle calls calls me shorty a couple of times, and that's okay, you know. Call me shorty. I don't care. But just it's just funny that she hadn't called me shorty since Lyle started. But, that's okay. I don't even know. He's not here today, is he? Zacchaeus the a wee little man. He wanted to see Jesus. Maybe he's like, get, get down, Zacchaeus. What's your problem? So, Zacchaeus switches over and he starts thinking, what do I need to do? I want to see this guy, so what do I need to do? So, verse 4, one of the wealthiest men in this city, one of the most powerful men in this city... Doesn't have a whole lot of respect from a lot of people But he's a very prominent, powerful man Verse 4 says He ran on a, a And climbed up a sycamore tree To see Jesus For he was about to pass by that way Now I just love this Two things, he ran Like in that culture If you're a man, you don't run anywhere Much less if you're a very powerful Very rich man You really don't run anywhere So Zacchaeus with his little robe Pulls it up he starts, He like, you gotta see this happen. It's really, it's really funny because there's this crowd coming. He's, cause he's a wee little man. He can't see Jesus. So he, he takes off. He, he's thinking through this. Okay. So there's a good chance that down this road, they're not going to turn that way or that way. I could probably get in that tree over there. So Zacchaeus runs and climbs a tree. Guys, men, when's the last time you climbed a tree? You haven't done that lately. Unless your kids are like, come on, dad, climb a tree with me, that kind of thing. Zacchaeus pulls up his robe, takes off running, probably not very fast, because he's a chief tax collector, so he's made his way up this Roman Ponzi scheme to get to the top. So he's probably a little older guy, powerful crook, <laughs> maybe he's balding a little bit. I'm just sorry, I think Danny DeVito right here, I really do. <laughs> I, I'm just, in my mind, I'm seeing Danny DeVito taking off running and climbing up a tree. He ran. He climbed a tree. He was seeking to see Jesus and he didn't care what other people thought. He, he wanted to put his eyes on Jesus and he's like, I don't care what people think. Well, obviously Zacchaeus is at the point where everybody hates him anyway. So what are they going to do? Hate me more? What are they going to do? What are they going to do against me? They already want to like throw me in front of a bus. So I don't care what these people think about me. I'm going to do what I can to see Jesus. Let's see, I'm short. I need to climb something. The crowd's here going that way. I need to run somewhere. Zacchaeus positions himself in a place where he can see Jesus and he doesn't care what anybody thinks. See, here's the thing, folks. Listen, we really need to fix our gaze on Jesus daily. But our problem is, is Let's be honest. We care what people think. You're not going to see me climbing a tree. I'm not going to be running. See, we care what people think in our workplace. When when we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and He does something in our heart and we want to stay close with Him and we want to be obedient to Him, but there's people in our workplace that might say something if we say something to them about being a Christian or with our family not just our people that we work with friends do we, do we care too much about what other people think are we willing to do something that's a little out there for the sake of keeping our eyes and our life focused on Jesus what about when we come to worship What about when we're in in a group like this and we sing songs like we sang today and and if it doesn't just flood into your soul and it just doesn't burst forth with praise, then we got to, if somebody next to us might think we're enjoying worship a little too much. The book of Psalms is basically this huge book that God wrote to his people and basically to sum up the book of songs Psalms, Psalms is Praise me. Let me just read the last few psalms. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in His heights. Praise Him in His, uh, all, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. And He established Him forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hell, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word mountains and all hills the fruit trees and cedars beasts beasts and livestock creeping things and flying birds kings of the earth and all peoples princes and all rulers of the earth young men and maidens together old men and children let them praise the name of the lord for his name alone is exalted his majesty is above the earth and heaven <clears throat> He has raised up a horn for His people. Praise for all His saints. For the people of Israel who are near to Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Psalm 149. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise His name with dancing and making melody to Him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy On their beds, let the high praises of God be on their throats. Psalm 150, the way God closes up the book of Psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Last phrase in the book of Psalms, praise the Lord. But sometimes we come here and we care too much about what other people are thinking. Hey, you didn't give me a little space. I'm about to praise my Lord here, you know? Like, you know, that's what, what happens to us. The last phrase says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What if that was switched around? Let everything that praises the Lord have a breath. Something I look like. Sometimes we can look like we're dead in church, but let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I got to tell you, this morning's music was awesome. Praise the Lord. I love the story in Second Samuel, David. He didn't really care what people thought. Man, the ark of God is coming back into the city of David. And David has this priestly, kingly robe on. Not priestly, but kingly robe. He takes off the kingly robe. Basically what he's saying is, I'm really not fit to wear the kingly robe right now because there's a king that's greater than I am. So he starts shucking his clothes. He starts clapping and dancing because the ark of God is coming back into the city. And there's people that are just like, what is he doing? There's there's this Michael, she's in the the window looking down and she's like, oh my gosh, really, David, you're dancing? She even associates, it was kind of funny, she even associates him with those vulgar fellows. And David says, listen here, lady. I'm going to get even more undignified than this. I'm going to get even more contemptible than this. Just watch and wait. And see how I praise my king. You know, I'm not saying we got to D-robe in here. (laughs) But what I am saying is. When our heart is connected to a holy God. And you come before him and worship. We should praise him. Are you really concerned about what other people are thinking about you during worship you should be concerned about what God is thinking about you during worship when we stand before our king in heaven exalting and praising him how are we going to look man we're going to worship my hands aren't going to be by my side I don't like this song You know, Zacchaeus, I just love this. The brother ran and he climbed a tree. Your neighbors are going to look at you weird when y'all go home and try that, right? Wade's out in his yard and running down, the running his yard and starts climbing a tree. They're like, what's wrong with Wade? I'm just kidding, Wade, you don't have to do that. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, now I love this. So the crowd finally gets to where Zacchaeus is, right in the in the tree. Zacchaeus obviously is by himself in the tree. Nobody else is saying, Hey, it's a great idea. Let's climb trees. He's by himself in this tree with all these people that are around Jesus that hate Zacchaeus. So Jesus and the crowd stops and Jesus looks up in the tree. Says, Zacchaeus? Now, now what happens right now? I, I gotta believe that there's people around that are listening and, and saying, Yes. Finally, somebody's going to stick it to Zacchaeus. I hate that guy. Somebody's finally, and Jesus is the one that's going to do it. I mean, he can. I can't say anything to him, but Jesus can. He says crazy stuff all the time. So you got to see this picture that Jesus says, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is, you know, I don't, we don't really know what he's, he's thinking at this moment. Hurry up and come down for I must stay at your house today. Man, he calls him by name. How do we know Jesus? How, how does Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Well, we don't really know. I mean, we don't really. Maybe he just knows some of the crooked criminals in Jericho, but he knows him by name. I don't think anyone said, hey, Jesus, see that guy up there? That's Zacchaeus. We should throw something at him. I don't, we don't know why Jesus knows his name, but he knows his name, and he calls him by name. I'm coming to your house. See, when when, when Jesus was passing through Jericho, uh, we believe just in scholarship that, that this term passing through is, is, is meant that we're going to stop for a little while and stay for a little bit. So Jesus knows he's going to stay at somebody's house. Jesus knows he's going to be passing through Jericho. And who better, who better house to go to than Zacchaeus? See, maybe today you're in here and you think that you've done a whole lot of really terrible things and God can never look at you, God can never uh, turn towards you, God can never call you by name, God can never bless you, God can never listen to you. But here you are. Listen to me, Zacchaeus. Here you are. Jesus is passing through and He looks at you and says, I'm coming to your house. The perfect, holy Son of God comes to crooked people like me and says, Rod coming to your house. And I'm looking at a lot of people right now. God has called your name and he came to your house. He made a difference, didn't he? His testimony after testimony after testimony in this room right now where people who thought that they were too far gone to be reached by the love and grace of God, and yet Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to change who you are. Jesus came to the place and looked up and said to Zacchaeus, hurry up, come down there, for I must stay at your house. Now what if we loved like that? What if we really loved like that? What if we loved like Jesus did? What happens to us when we get around the people that really are the... The scourge of society that we don't want to be around or talk to, that we don't want to sit near. Now, in in this instance, was a a tax collector, a crook that was ripping people off. What about in our our culture today? God really um, worked on my heart when uh, I was pastor in my last church. There was a a gentleman at the church who came every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, and every Sunday night week after week after week. And I got to know him pretty well. got to learn a little bit about himself. And you could just see that as he was sitting there during the sermons, he would just look kind of down. He wouldn't look up. Um, I got to know this guy a little bit. I got to find out a little bit about his story. And he told me, he said, Brother Rod, I'm a practicing homosexual and I'm not changing my ways and I have HIV. And I said, okay. Um... Well, this guy had uh, been married before, about 13 years ago. He had had a son. He got involved with drugs and homosexuality and uh, got HIV. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, He kept coming, and I kept just being kind to him, reaching out to him a little bit. Uh, God was working on my heart with that. And he had a heart attack. Didn't kill him, but he had a heart attack. So I go see him in the hospital. And uh, our conversations before that hospital visit would, I would always start shifting gears towards spiritual things. And he would always say, all right, Brother Rod, I got to go. And I'm like, all right. Well, he was in a hospital bed. He couldn't go anywhere. I walked in the door and he started crying. And multiple times and multiple times and multiple times has he heard about the forgiveness of God, the love of Jesus, the grace of God. And multiple times and multiple times that passed him by and went somewhere else. Well, in that hospital bed I was talking with him and we were crying and just had a good time. Well, he got out of the hospital. I was able to minister with him a little more and Eventually came to the point where he said, "I'm done. I want to give everything I have to follow Jesus, I'm renouncing my ways." And he gave his heart and his life to Jesus, and it was awesome. Um, after that, our conversations, right after that, I would ask him, "How's your heart?" Uh, and he still had heart problems. He said, my heart is good. And I knew what he was talking about. Um, the story gets better, by the way. Um, it's been a, over 10 years since he spoke with his son. They were able to uh, reconnect. His uh, former wife was uh, not remarried. Um, folks, they got married. And he started working on that relationship with his son. And now they're going to church together and God just rolled out this scroll of grace in his life. Now, it was hard for me at first to love him. I could have been like, who are you? What's your deal? Hey, You know, we're really going to have a problem with certain things that you're involved with. We're really going to have a problem with some of the things that you're interested in. So we're going to have to ask you maybe if you just not come back. But God had a different plan than that. So listen to me. Whatever you got involved with, whatever you're involved with now, whatever's going on in your heart, that, that no one even knows about, the people closest to you in your life, they don't even know about. Listen, God's love and His grace can you know, open like a scroll and cover that and just lay over that. Zacchaeus, Jesus called him by name and said, I'm coming to your house. What happens? Verse six says, So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Received meaning he received into his home joyfully. So they now they're going to Zac, Zacchaeus's house. they And and, and now Zacchaeus is so different because he's in the presence of the Lord. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord, people. There's something about being in the presence of Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist says in 21.6, For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. Jude Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. There is great joy in the presence of the Lord. Zacchaeus in a tree. Jesus said, come down from there. I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus received him joyfully. And there's a difference between joy and just being excited about something. He received Jesus joyfully. Verse 7. And when they saw it, they grumbled. They being who? The crowd. What well, they say? He's gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. There's a word in, in, the, in the text that's, that's used for the word grumbling. They started growling a little bit. They were grumbling amongst themselves. They were grumbling because a man got saved. And let me ask you this personal question. Don't answer out loud, please. Is there anybody in your life, now this, doesn't, this, this is not for everybody, I don't think, is there anybody in your life that if a God touched and changed their life radically that you would grumble about that? Now, here's the root of what's going on with that is really unforgiveness. There's somebody that maybe in your past who has hurt you, who's done something wrong to you, And if they come to faith in Christ, you're not happy about it. Well, that's maybe something that you need to bring before God today. They grumbled. Verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stood and said. Now, we have some time issues going on here. Because, maybe this is during or after dinner. Because what we see in the text is, Jesus says, hurry up and come down. And Zacchaeus Hurry up and came down. And the next thing you know, Zacchaeus stood. Now, that doesn't mean that Zacchaeus fell down the tree. And he's laying there. And then he stands up. But what we have as far as time frame is this... There, there's, there, maybe the meal has already passed. Jesus has been able to do some teaching. Jesus has been able to instruct him maybe about the kingdom by now. They're sitting around. They're relaxed. And so what happens is Zacchaeus, he stands and says to the Lord... Behold, Lord. Causing Lord. Causing the word for Master. Now, receiving Jesus joyfully means you make Jesus your Lord, your Master. He says, Master, listen to this. This is good stuff. The half of my goods I give to the poor. Now, that's a 50% tithe of everything that He had. He's going to give it away to the poor. Now, here's the deal when God infiltrates your heart, it changes things. This crooked, greedy guy says, I'm going to get half everything I got to the poor. Well, that's great. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus uses this term fourfold. He uses this idea of when, um, when someone in the Old Testament, when they would steal an animal and that animal would, would be sold or, or die, that person would have to come up with some retribution or, or restore it fourfold because that's like the worst thing you could do. Like the worst thing you could do, man, you could take somebody's stuff and then sell it to somebody else. And if, if you were caught doing that, you had to turn that over fourfold to them. Zacchaeus is saying, I'm, I'm a sinner. Fourfold. The worst thing that, that I could possibly do. That's me. I've done that. And I want to restore that back. Fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. A few stories before this, the rich young ruler comes and, I mean, he's a rich guy. Zacchaeus is a rich guy. Rich young ruler comes up and says, What must I do to be saved? Jesus said, You've got to sell everything and give to the poor. He went away upset. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to be saved. Folks, Jesus just put a camel through a needle. The issue is not money. The issue is the heart. What we do with our heart, not what we do with our money. And what we do with our heart reflects in what we do with our money. It happens. Zacchaeus says half of it to the poor. If I've defrauded anybody, I'm going fourfold repay it. Zacchaeus was born again, son of Abraham, into the house of God, adopted into his family. Here's an interesting thing that we don't have in the Bible about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus goes on to be appointed by the Apostle Peter as the bishop of Caesarea. Caesarea is a prominent place. It's basically Zacchaeus goes on to be the pastor of pastors. Now, what happens in Zacchaeus' life happens to us, happened to me. I had an encounter with Jesus and he changed some stuff, right? Some of y'all had an encounter with Jesus and and things got, they they just change. And that's great. Zacchaeus is a picture of grace. Zacchaeus is a picture of hope. Zacchaeus is a picture of God's restoration. I think we can practically take away a few things from this passage today. Not only have... Hopefully we changed our mind and, and it's not just the flannel graph story anymore, but it's some, something so much deeper. Some practical things that we can take away from this is the first thing is just restitution. You notice what happens with Zacchaeus? He, he understood that he had done some wrong. And he didn't just say, you know what, Lord? I'm sorry about that. Now, repentance... Is turning from your sin and turning to Jesus. But sometimes within repentance there's 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 a lining of restitution that might need to be done. Just with the story with the with the guy at my last church. He got saved. He repented of his sin. But there was something else that needed to be fixed. There's something else that needed to be changed. And maybe you're in here today and you've embraced Jesus. Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house. Come down. And you joyfully received Him. You've repented and turned from your sins. But maybe there's something that needs to be restored in there too. Maybe you've defrauded someone. Now maybe it is something that's monetary. Maybe there is a defraud on your part that's with money. Well, you need to pray about how maybe God can have you restore that. But I think restitution can go far beyond just money stuff. I think maybe we've defrauded in other ways sometimes. Restitution is not paying God back. But it's a new person with a new nature, with a new friend in Jesus, simply being a friend to others. What have you taken that you should give back? Have you defrauded anyone? Anyone of anything? I think a lot of people in here would say, I'm not a thief. Really? Have you taken something from your kids? Have you taken something from your work? I think that if we're lazy, I think that's defrauding our work. I think if we neglect our kids and our family, I think there needs to be some restitution there. See, repentance is turning from your sin and turning to Jesus, but restitution is trying to wrong, right some wrongs, trying to make some things right. Have you defrauded your kids, whether they're young or old? Your spouse? The church? See, God has gifted us individually with spiritual gifts to use for the edification of the body. If you're not serving the body, the church. Maybe that's, maybe you're defrauding the church. You need to use your gifts and your talents and your abilities to edify and build up the church. What have you neglected? If, 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 and see, here's the thing. When we start thinking about this, and when I was putting this together, I thought that maybe I should start putting some lists together of some things to jog jog your mind a little bit. But I think you can do that on your own. What are some things maybe you've neglected? Maybe you need to restore what you've neglected. What are some joys you have stolen? Maybe you need to restore the joys that you have stolen from someone. What sins have you not dealt with? There needs to be some restitution there. What if you... And and I'll say this because this is personal to me. What if you've seriously hurt someone that's now dead? How can you how can you forgive someone? How can you have a, a time of restitution of reconciliation with someone you can never talk to again? Now they might have done you wrong, but maybe there needs to be some restitution there. Um, and I think I've talked about this before, but it's just really personal to me. And I think it's and God's been able to use it to uh, to minister to others. Um, I had a really bad relationship with my father, and um, it was tough. Uh, I got to the point where I hated him. I wanted to kill him. It was so bad. I just, and, and honestly, what it stemmed from was just my heart was just a train wreck. Now God restored my heart. God said, Rod, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to stay with you. And salvation came to my house and he saved me. But I had this broken relationship with my dad. My dad lived, uh, stayed away in in uh, another city. And, um, God was continuing to, to work in my life and work in my heart. And, and and he really pressed upon me. He really basically said, Rod, you can't move on in your ministry and your walk with me until you reconcile that relationship with your dad. It was tough. I was 19. I got a buddy of mine. said, we got to go to Birmingham. We got to go. He's like, all right. He's a college kid. He's like, sure, a road trip. And so we drive up to Birmingham and get there um, at night to a hotel. Now, we're both 19. If you know anything about a hotel, you can't get a hotel room if you're 19. Um, Maybe they changed that. I don't know. Um, And I show up at the, the, just already just weighted down with the situation. I show up and the lady's like, I'm sorry, you're not old enough. I can't give you a room. Well, I ended up telling her why I was there. And she was crying. She was thinking about her dad. and, And there's no... Repentance or restitution or reconciliation there. And so the next day, I went up to my dad's house and knocked on the door and walked in, and there he was. He was really surprised to see me because we didn't really talk much. And I said, I got to talk to you. He said, Okay. So we went, went to a little cafe, and I just laid out all the reasons I hated him. And I said, Every one of these are the reasons why I couldn't stand you. But here's the thing I don't hold any of those things against you anymore. I pray good things for you now. All the imaginary conversations that I have with you now are good, and not me pushing you downstairs and throwing you out of a window. And shortly after that is when my dad started going downhill. He started getting sick, and then his body and his mind started crumbling. And then he died. He's been dead for about a year, two years now. Um, now I, I believe that I was the one that was defrauded in that situation. But I also believe that the restitution needed to happen. Now, my dad, I, I restored that relationship with my dad before he passed away. But maybe you're in a situation where there's a relationship that could be restored with someone that's long gone. And honestly, I truly believe that you can have some restitution in your life with that. I really believe that. You can come to the place in your heart And I heard a pastor talk about this before. He said, sit down in a chair and put a chair in front of you that's empty. Whatever person that you need restitution with, if they've gone on, if they've passed on, visualize them sitting in that chair in front of you and talk to them. Now that might seem kind of odd to a lot of us in here, but some of the people in here that, that have a relationship, it was awful and you can never find any restitution with that, and right now you kind of have some angst in you because of that person, former spouse, former parent or whatever, I think there needs to be some restitution with that. And only in God can you have restitution. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can things that have been eaten by the locust be restored in your life. So maybe some people in here need some restitution. So the next practical thing I think we can come from this is not just restitution, but generosity. Zacchaeus, man, he turned into Captain Generous. That's 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 wonderful. We can ask ourselves: Are we greedy or are we generous? Generosity should extend to our friends, our family, the work of God, and the poor. Here's the deal: You don't need a lot of money to be generous. Some of the most generous people I know, I ain't got much, but they're generous. See, here's the thing with being generous. Generous is just your act of giving. You think there's something maybe that you can give that's not just coming out of your pocketbook? You think there's a way that you can give that it's not just pictures of dead presidents on paper? Yes. You can say I have zero money. The bottom of my bank account has a hole in it. Every time I put something in it, Comes out the bottom, and you can be the most generous person in the world because you have stuff to give. You have a smile to give. You can give. You can give a phone call. You can give a letter, a compliment, a high five. Go up to some of these little kids running around here. Some of the kids that come to our church, and maybe 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 they just they're just having a tough time at home. We don't know everything that's going on in their house. Once you get down and say, "Hey, give me some knuckle." that's pretty, honestly, that's being generous. You just gave a kid something. He's going to think about that some part that day. He's going to like that because you were generous. One of the things that I've seen in our church is great generosity. I've seen it in the giving that people do. I see it in... And by all means, please hear me. I'm not saying that you need to give more money and put more money in the plate. I've seen generosity above generosity here at this church. But one thing that we can look at Zacchaeus and say is God did a work in his heart. He changed his life and he made him generous. Generosity is something I think that we can give today. Because here's the truth is Jesus was the one in this story who was really generous. Jesus was the one that was generous. Jesus looked at this sinner that should be condemned to hell and said, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to give you a gift. 17 miles from Zacchaeus's house, Jesus goes up on a cross. Zacchaeus goes up on a tree. Jesus goes up on a tree. 17 miles from Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus is born again. It's a family of God, son of Abraham. But the generous king was the one who showed generosity. And he died a brutal death. And he rose from the grave. And we can celebrate that today. That we have a generous king. There's your reason for generosity. That God has been generous to you. Give over and above and beyond what you have been, what you have. I mean, just give. Let generosity flow out of your repentance and your rest, restitution. The last thing that we'll take away from this practically is hope. Hope. Verse 10 Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I love that statement. That could have been the whole sermon based around that. We could have done so many things with that. Jesus uses the term son of man. It's kind of his favorite self-declaration. He calls himself the son of man a lot. And we see this coming from Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and 14. Daniel has his visions. He says, I saw in the night visions and behold in the clouds of heaven there came like... The Son, one of the Son of Man, and He came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before Him, and to Him who was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, to all that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom, one that shall never be destroyed. Listen to me. Here's your hope. If Jesus is your friend, because He said, "Hey, I'm coming to your house. We'll be a friend." He's your Savior. You have great hope knowing that Jesus, as He says, I'm the Son of Man. Knowing that He knows full well that all authority, all power, all dominion, all everything belongs to Him. It's in His pockets. It's in His hand. He owns it all. And He's made you a son, a daughter of God. There's some hope for you. That He's taken somebody like you and somebody like me and He's turned us, us Zacchaeuses into His friends and to his sons, and to his daughters. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're still up in a tree and Jesus is passing by. Well, Jesus, let me tell you something, folks. Jesus is looking at you today. He says, come down. I'm coming to your house today. And he says, salvation has walked in the door of this house. Listen to me, friends. I think there's a lot of people in this room who's still perched up in that tree. You've been there too long. Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins so He could make us friends of God. So He could call us by name and restore us, redeem us, and make us right in His eyes. Today, if you're in this place and you feel like you're Zacchaeus, why don't you just hurry up, come down, hurry up. Maybe scratch you up a little bit coming down the tree. That's what happened to me when I was climbing trees when I was little. Hurry up. Come down. Jesus is calling your name. By name. Right now, there's people in this room that Jesus is calling out. By name. And He's saying come. Maybe you're a believer. Been a Christian for a long time. Yet you don't feel like there's much hope right now. Maybe maybe there's an issue that you're struggling with with restitution. Maybe there's something that's just wrestling in your heart and your mind right now that needs an issue that you want to be restored. But I would say just come on. Come on down. Come down that tree you perched in and find restitution in the God that saved you. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to be down front. Pastor Brian's going to be down front. If... If the Lord is calling you by name, hurry up. Come down. The Bible says that Jesus was passing through Jericho. He was set on the cross. If he's passing through, passing by your house, passing by your tree you're up in may it be said of you today that today was the day that salvation came to my house. Today was the day that I saw Jesus, that I came to Him. I received Him joyfully and He did a work in my heart. Come on. Hurry. Come down. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for the Truth that you love us. Lord, I thank you for calling me by name. Thank you for bringing your salvation to my place. Lord, I believe with all my heart that today there's, there's no doubt someone here today that is maybe curious like Zacchaeus was. And they've been in a tree for a long time just looking looking at the things of God, looking at the people of God, observing. But Lord, I just pray that today would be the day that they become a son or daughter of God. Would you call them by name? Would you receive them to yourself? And God, as it happens, Lord, would they receive you joyfully? Lord, we love you. We worship you and we pray this in your good name. Amen. As we stand, won't you come?